Some stones saw the skin and bones of a city without a soul. I stopped outside a church house where the citizens like to sit. They say they want the kingdom, but they don't want God in it. Yeah, I went with nothing, nothing but the thought of you. I went wandering Live from the Mecca of Mormonism, Salt Lake City, Utah, this is Heart of the Matter, where Mormonism meets biblical Christianity face to face. I'm your host, Sean McCraney, and I'm sitting here amongst the great scholars, some of them, from the Scottsdale Christian Academy. Uh, there's about, I don't know, maybe another uh, 10 that are lost somewhere out there, so pray for them. So great to have them, and also Kelly's here, their, uh, their advisor here with uh, Russ East Group. So thanks for coming on, you guys. And that means you have to exit that way. <laughs> Uh, Heart of the Matter can be seen here, of course, on television, and then go to uh, www.hotm.tv, and you can watch <coughs> all of our uh, programs uh, archived there. And so wherever you're watching from, we welcome you. Every Sunday, Lord willing, we hold a never-denominational verse-by-verse uh, -verse Bible study at the University of Utah from 2.30 to 3.30. For more information, go to calvarycampus.com. You can also hear rebroadcasts of Heart of the Matter on um, uh, AM 820, The Truth, from 1 to 2 p.m. every Sunday. So our whole thing is, hey, while you're driving into the Bible study, turn on AM 820, The Truth. You can hear Heart of the Matter and then come to our verse-by-verse -verse, uh, Bible study. We are looking for people who were once LDS that are now mature Christians to help disciple people who are coming out of the Mormon church. If you're interested in becoming an Aletheia representative in your city, please email us at sean at aletheiamedia.com and write in the subject line representative if you would. We'll get the information out to you. We're building quite a group right now, and we're getting people from all over in different cities who really are qualified and they want to help. So please uh, <clears throat> contact us no matter where you are in the world if you are interested and you were once LDS and you're now a mature Christian. <clears throat> We're lining up our early uh, spring open water baptisms. When are they? Saturday, March 19th. Uh, so far, it looks like we're going to be in Logan and Ogden only. That's where we're getting response from people, and so that's great. Uh, Logan, we're going to meet at 9 a.m. at the Maranatha Baptist Church, which is now Alpine. And uh, then we're gonna, at noon, we're going to meet in Ogden at the Alpine Church there. So Alpine is really supporting this. If you are uh, wanting to be baptized, please show up at those locations. That's Saturday, March 19th, 9 a.m. in Logan, and then uh, at noon in Ogden. And if you want to be baptized, that would be great. Then the next day on Sunday, the 20th, I'll be preaching, teaching at Lakeside Community Church. We have a graphic for their address that will come up on the screen. The service is open to all. So if you live in the Sunset area, that's where Lakeside Community Church is, 10 a.m., Sunday the 20th, come on out and uh, join us. See what that church is all about. Two books we've written, especially for you. The newest is called, If My Kingdom Were of This World, Then My Servants Would Fight. We're going to have to choose, my friends. Are you going to side with the LDS in fighting the social ills of this world? Uh, or are you going to stand apart from them? Are we even commanded in Scripture, even expected, to become uh, involved in uh, fighting social ill? Uh, if then, we'll give you some uh, valuable insights on Glenn Beck and on other things like Romney and Huntsman and government, etc. Uh, you can get If Then uh, at hotm.tv. You can also get it at Lifeway Christian Books and at Salt Lake uh, City Calvary Chapel. Of course, I Was a Born Again Mormon is available online, as it always has been, and you can also get it at uh, where most uh, Christian books are sold. 
Let's continue responding to the atheist Blake. This week's query, he says very sarcastically, how did Noah fit the millions and millions of species on this planet into his ark? Consulted Dr. Harvey Babich, a Jew and professor of biology at Stern College for Women. He says the dimensions of the ark were approximately 180 yards in length, 30 yards in width, and 18 yards in height. The obvious question is how all the animals were able to fit into this limited space. For example, there are over 800,000 species of insects, 35,000 species of spiders, 8,600 species of birds, 6,000 species of reptiles, and 2,200 species of frogs and toads. He goes on to say, whereas a zoologist classifies animals according to phyla, or phyla, I don't know which, I was never good in science, the Torah's classification are only four. There is no correlation between a zoologist's classification and the Torah's classification for animals. The zoologist's term genus and species have no equivalent in Torah terminology. Instead, the Torah uses a term men, M-I-N, to identify discrete groups of animals. Rabbi Brown postulates that Noah took aboard uh, the ark two animals of each men, rather than all the varieties that developed from each men since the flood. This interpretation fits very well with the verses that say, of all living creatures, of all flesh, two of each shall you bring to the ark to keep alive with you a male and a female, of the birds to their men, of the beasts to their men, of all creepers of the ground to their men, two of each will come to you to maintain life, end quote. Based on this interpretation, the number of creatures brought on the ark is greatly reduced. Apparently, these specific men contained all the necessary genetic information so that post-Diluvian diversification yielded the different genera and species of animals recognized by today's zoologists. There's an answer. It also is a miracle, but it was a big floating barge, and uh, you can say, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to poo-poo it. Additionally, there's a highly controversial idea that the flood only covered the areas of the world where man had reached out to. And there was a great basin, and so there are some, including Haley's uh, uh, Bible commentary, which is highly respected, that say the, the, the flood was geographical. Now, I know that's, that's troubling to many people. We want a worldwide flood because the Bible says the whole earth. But we see that phrase, the whole earth, used a lot in the Bible, and it doesn't necessarily mean the whole globe. It just means the whole area that they were speaking of. <clears throat> okay, let's hear from the Word. We're in the book of Matthew, and last week we covered the verses where Jesus taught us how to detect a false prophet. Right after this, beginning at verse 21, he says this, Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me that day, Lord, Lord, have not we prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. From this, we learn some fascinating things. We learn that not everyone who claims Lord who says to Jesus, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of the Father. Listen to what Jesus says. Now listen. Many will say, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out devils in your name? And in your name done many wonderful works. And he says, I will say to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. So he first says, there's people who, are gonna, who have done many wonderful works, and he's going to say, get away from me, you that work iniquity. So it isn't wonderful works that will get us into the kingdom, but it is only our doing the will of the Father. And what is the will of the Father? When Jesus was standing before a mass of people, he was asked by them in John 6, 28, what shall we do 
that we might work the works of God. How do we do the will of the Father? And Jesus reply, he said, this is the work of God, that ye believe on him who he has sent. Nothing about works there, nothing about temple rites. The will of the Father is for people to believe on him who he sent, even Jesus Christ. In 1 John 3, 22 through 23, it says, please listen, it says, And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. That's it, my friends. We believe on Christ and we love one another. Those are the Christian commandments. That is the work and will of the Father. Uh, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, not everyone who prophesies, not everyone who casts out devils, not anyone who does many wonderful works, but only those who do the will of the Father, and the will of the Father is to believe and to love. Our ministry exists solely upon your prayerful financial support. It is vital to our sustainability. Please consider the following if you're so inclined by God to help us out. Usually at this uh, uh, time in our new format, I start reading emails, but I want to tell you about some things that happened yesterday. Yesterday morning, I was on the telephone with Mary, my wife, and we were discussing the ministry. I was wondering out loud if I should continue to pursue the LDS bent, uh, especially in light that we have gone pretty long and pretty deep and covered most things about uh, the topics of Mormonism uh, over the years. My heart has never wanted to be Mr. Anti-Mormon. I, I, uh, I really would rather be known as a lover of people and a teacher of Christ. But without any planning or scheming, the Lord brought me here, the donkey, to your television screen. And anyway, uh, so we're just kind of talking. Do, do you think we should kind of go a new direction and just start focusing more on the Word? I was asked to speak to a group of high school uh, teenagers from the Scottsdale, uh, Arizona, Christian Academy last night, and um, after I had gotten to Ogden and I'd gone to about four or five minutes of introduction into the ministry, a LDS couple showed up, and they came and they sat right smack dab middle in the middle of this group of high school juniors and seniors, uh, three adult advisors, and myself. And uh, they knew I was coming. I didn't know they were coming, and they came to bring a message. And that was, Mormonism is the best, Christianity not so good. In the end, that was the, the theme of their entire message. Now, I felt very bad for uh, most of these kids because um, we live in an age where political correctness and decorum, tolerance is held in very high esteem. And they didn't see that from me last night. It was the first time they met me and within you know, eight minutes, they saw me confronting an LDS apologist who is trying to 
sell Mormonism to a bunch of uh, junior and seniors in high school. What they probably don't realize, or many of the high school kids didn't realize, is that I was LDS for 40 years, and I've done the show for five, and I have an instinct when a Latter-day Saint starts talking, almost before the words come out of their mouth, where they are going to go. And so because of that, I refuse to allow them to spin. And so when I can feel the spin coming, I'm like, it's like being in a, in a boxer in a ring. When you see the guy give you a tell that he's gonna throw the right, you're going to do whatever you can to protect yourself and then offset that, that right that he throws. And it is a battle when you get into these apologetic scenarios, which I personally really don't like. Well, he came, this couple came, he and his wife, to preach Mormonism to these kids. And uh, it made me very wrathful. Um, and I dealt with them wrathfully and um, fully intending to let them know that their Mormonicious ways and their cute little deferences and their subtle gestures and inferences were not gonna pass with me, not while I was sitting there with these kids. The man David said two inter interrelated things I wanna address quickly. First, he said, I've seen your program and you have a bully pulpit. He said, you don't allow LDS people to really share their views. And I want you to know, Dave, you're right. For the past 150 years, Mormonism has had a domain in this state of sharing their views from their bully pulpit, from the politics to the religion to their liquor laws to everything they do. The Mormon church has run this state. And so there is no way I'm going to sit here and be like, oh, please tell us what you believe. Please, I'll be quiet so you can share your falsehood with everybody. It's not going to happen. So you're right. I don't let LDS come and use this platform to share their garbage gospel because it's not the truth. You see, if they call and they're seeking and they want to know truth and they're trying to discover and they're willing to dialogue on truth, I'm open. I will sit for a year with someone. But if they have an agenda, which you can quickly see, it's not going to happen. Now, uh, David was also very angry with me because he said, I, wanna, I will bring somebody on your show, maybe even myself, to challenge you. And I said, anybody is welcome on the program as long as they are official representatives of the LDS church. Well, this infuriated him even more. But you see, LDS leadership are so smart. They have gone out, Ballard in Idaho and these others, they go out and they say, members, get involved online. Go out and defend your faith. Get online and tell people what it is. Go out there and start telling people what Mormonism really is. Because they know that the members can and will say anything to make Mormonism sound good and right. But if you get an official member of the church, a bishop, a stake president, a general authority, a Bob Millet on the set, who has authority from the church to represent them, they have to speak the truth. Because you, have, you can hold their feet to the fire. We have for five years offered people any official representative of the LDS church. I will give them a full year, an official representative, a full year. That's 52 hours of airtime to sit with me and talk to me about Mormonism. But they have to be an official representative. Finally, I know I've gone on about this, but it was amazing because the level of biblical knowledge that these kids, these teenagers had was astounding. I mean... Uh, I literally watched a high, some high school teenagers crush this guy theologically. Just crush him. And he's in his late 40s and deems himself this, some kind of biblical uh, scholar of some sort. Let me give you an example of something I learned from the kid sitting right next to me. His name was Logan. I hadn't even thought of this. He asked, we asked this Mormon guy, we said, hey, do you believe people are born children of God? Yes, I do. And then we asked, do you believe children are born innocent and without sin or a sin nature? Yes, I do. And then he went on to tell the group that babies are innocent until they reach an age of accountability, which is around eight years of age. And this astute kid by the name of Logan, I believe, he said something that is remarkably insightful. He said, then why do babies die? Now, 
David, the Mormon, he sort of shook and drooled like a, a overloaded android. He didn't know what that meant. He's just like, and, and he didn't get what this teenager knew from the Bible. And this is what he knew. In Romans, we have a graphic. Listen, listen to what it says. Read. It says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin... And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. So what Logan was saying is, listen, all of us die because all of us have a sin nature, according to the Bible, children, infants included. It's our sin nature that we have within us and our sin being that we got from Adam, and we deserve death, okay? And, and it's not that the children aren't saved. They're saved by the grace and blood of Christ. But still, they deserve death. There's a logical reason because they are born into a state of sin. But you say that babies are born innocent. So they have no sin or sin nature. Then why would a just God allow an infant or anybody up under the age of eight, a child, to die prematurely? If they're innocent, they do not deserve death. It was a fantastic question for reasons I'm not even sure the resident teen scholar understood. Because one of the articles of faith that the LDS have say, we believe that all mankind um, will be judged for their own sins and not for Adam's transgression. Okay? So therefore, if according to the LDS, people are not punished for Adam's transgression and babies are innocent... Why, are they, why do they die? And uh, from the mouth of babes, I learned something remarkable. And that Mormon, in my mind, was sent packing right at that moment. And about that time, I got up and left and said, you guys can handle it completely yourself. I also realized at that time, we're going to continue the fight. With people out there like that, we've got to. With that, let's have a word of prayer. God in heaven, we love and need you and, and praise you. And we worship you, God. And so we ask you to be with us and be with our staff, our technical side, uh, our volunteers, the people in audiences, wherever they may be. We love you and we praise you. Give you the glory for all things. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to open up the phone lines right now so that our operators can get to work. And I'm going to present some things about false prophets and how last week we talked about how you can discern truths. Uh, about false prophets and I held a card up that's sold in the local stores here and on the card it had a picture of Joseph Smith and it said praise to the man and we opened that card up and it said trust his gospel with a capital H because it's true. I want to talk tonight about um, what the LDS say and have said about Joseph Smith. Now the internet is full of stuff where they're saying we don't worship Joseph Smith. He is just a, he's just a man. He started the church or whatever. He stored the gospel. I want to provide you some quotes and I want you to ask yourself as you read these quotes and they're abundant. So we're going to be doing a lot of reading and watching right now. You tell me how closely these quotes sound like they relate Joseph Smith to the same level as Jesus Christ and also look at the arrogance of their prophet. You ready? They say that Joseph Smith was a prophet. They say he was a high priest. Doctrine and Covenants 132.7 has God referred to him as a medium. A medium. Okay? You look that word up. Doctrines of Salvation 1.184 says he was chosen from the foundation of the world. Joseph Smith. History of the Church calls him a martyr who killed two people on his way to his death. He's called a choice seer. Speaking of himself, as found in Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 363, he said, God made Aaron to be the mouthpiece for the children of Israel, and he will make me be God to you in his stead, and the elders to be the mouth for me, and if you don't like it, you must lump it. I have been giving Elder Adams instructions and some principles to speak to you, and if he makes a mistake, I will get up and correct him. That's from Joseph Smith himself. Discourses of Joseph Smith, page 30 and 31, describe him as meek and lowly. In the April 1929 conference report, it says he was related to Jesus. In the discourse of Joseph Smith, he is said to be the voice of one crying in the wilderness. In teachings of the prophet Joseph Smith, he himself states that he has control over the mind of his believers. Look at this quote. President Joseph Smith again rose and said, in relation to the power over the minds of mankind which I hold. That's from Joseph Smith's mouth, 
the power over the minds of mankind which I hold, I would say it is the consequence of the power of truth in the doctrines which I have been an instrument in the hands of God of presenting unto them and not because of any compulsion on my part. He gives the credit to God, but he says that he has the control over the minds of men. Mormon prophet Ezra Taft Benson says he continues to lead from heaven. The prophet Joseph Smith, this quote, says the prophet Joseph Smith was not only one of the great noble ones, but he gave and continues to give attention to important matters here on earth, even today, from the realms above. For in the eyes of the Lord, the God of this world under the Father, it is all one great eternal program in which the prophet Joseph plays an important role all through the eternal priesthood and authority of God. Joseph Smith said of himself that he knows more than the entire world put together. This graphic says, Now, this is Joseph Smith, I ask all who hear me, why the learned men who are preaching salvation say that God created the heavens and earth out of nothing? The reason is that they are unlearned in the things of God and have not the gift of the Holy Ghost. They account it blasphemy in anyone, if, any, in, if anyone contradict their idea. If you tell them that God made the world out of something, they will call you a fool. But I am learned and know more than all the world put together. The Holy Ghost does anyhow, and he is within me and comprehends more than all the world, and I will associate myself with him. In the LDS book, Joseph Smith, the prophet, the man, it says Joseph offered the complete sacrifice. It says, when a man gives his life for the cause he has advocated, he meets the highest test of his honesty and sincerity that his own and any future generation can in fairness ask. When he dies for the testimony he has borne, all malicious tongues should ever be silent and all voices hushed in reverence before a sacrifice so complete. Gospel Doctrine, page 479 states, Joseph Smith is a prophet of God, living, not dead, for his name will never perish. Discourses of Joseph Smith, page 4 to 5, say his intelligence was superior uh, and that he has done more than anyone on this earth save Jesus Christ. McConkie wrote in Mormon Doctrine, page 395, in the providences of Almighty God and according to the plan before ordained in the councils of eternity, Joseph Smith Jr. was born into mortality December 23, 1805. As a pre-existent spirit, he ranked with Adam and Abraham. He was one of the noble and great ones of whom Abraham wrote a truth with President Joseph F. Smith saw in a vision. In that prior existence, by diligence and obedience, Joseph Smith gained the spiritual stature and capacity which entitled him to be foreordained to stand as the head of the greatest of all gospel dispensations. History of the Church 5401 has Joseph say of himself, I am like a huge rough stone rolling down from a high mountain. And the only polishing I get is when some corner gets rubbed off by coming in contact with something else, striking with accelerated force against religious bigotry, priestcrafts, lawyercraft, doctorcraft, lying editors, suborned judges and jurors, and the authority of perjured executives, backed by mobs, blasphemers, licentious and corrupt men and women, all hell knocking off a corner here and a corner there. Thus I will become a smooth and polished shaft in the quiver of the Almighty, who will give me dominion over all and every one of them. When their refuge of lies shall fail and their hiding place shall be destroyed, while these smooth polished stones with which I come in contact become marred. In the book, A Marvelous Work and a Wonder, popular when I was a kid, page 278, it says the spirit of Joseph Smith, like Jeremiah, was also one of the great and noble ones. The Lord appointed unto him his work, reserved to come forth in this dispensation to be a prophet and seer unto the nations. That is why the Lord called Joseph Smith while yet a boy, because he knew Joseph and he knew his integrity and greatness. Joseph Smith said of himself, in the, found in uh, the Discourses of Joseph Smith, page 28, Notwithstanding my weaknesses, I am under the necessity of bearing the infirmities of others. When we get to the difficulty, when, excuse me, who when they get into difficulty, hang on to me tenaciously to get them out and wish me to cover their faults. The Handbook of the Restoration, page 50 and 51, says Joseph Smith 
brings purpose to life, end quote. In Joseph Smith the prophet, he is said to have been a humble child. From the life of Joseph Smith, it says, listen to how they paint him in a similar light to Jesus in this quote. You ready? The great work of opening the dispensation thus accomplished by the august administration of the Father and Son, the heavens rested for a season. There was divine wisdom in this. Joseph was too young at that time to be sent forth with the wondrous proclamation of all nations, kindreds, and tongues, that God had called him to be the prophet of a new civilization, too young at 14 to seek out from the multitude strong apostolic men, saying unto them, leave your nets and follow me. In The Lord Needed a Prophet, it paints him as a super athletic hero. The LDS love to teach their children that Joseph Smith was virile, strong, athletic. They paint him as a hero in the things they do. Listen to what it says in that book. At six feet tall and weighing about 200 pounds, the prophet Joseph had an athletic build. He enjoyed hard work and energetic play. Joseph frequently joined the young boys in Nauvoo in outdoor games. He could hit a ball with a bat so great a distance that the other players would call to the boy who was going for the ball to take his dinner while he was at it. Joseph would laugh and go on with the game. In an article, Divine Authority, or the question, Was Joseph Smith Sent by God? Page 4, it describes Joseph Smith as a genius with no education and that people studied at his feet. In Doctrine and Covenants 1, 12, 15, Joseph dedicated a revelation a dictated a revelation where he says, Jesus says through him, Exalt not yourselves, rebel not against my servant Joseph. For verily I say unto you, I am with him, and my hands shall be over him, and the keys which I, has give, I have given him, and also to you word, shall not be taken from him till I come. In the Journal of Discourses, it actually says, This personage whom we call the Savior of the world, there were not, strange to say, as many persons believed on him as have believed on Joseph Smith in the latter days. Citing Isaiah 53, which speaks of Jesus, Joseph was described by <clears throat> one LDS writer as, quote, a prophet's prophet who was, to some degree at least, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. Isaiah applies that directly to the Messiah. Here they apply it directly to Joseph Smith. Like uh, Jesus, Journal of Discourses says, speaking of Joseph Smith, that he had to go away, but that he will return. Speaking to his followers, Joseph Smith said, as recorded in Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 193, I charge the saints not to follow the example of the adversary in accusing the brethren, and said, quote, If you do not accuse each other, God will not accuse you. If you have no accuser, you will enter heaven. And if you will follow the revelations and instructions which God gives you through me, I will take you into heaven as my backload. If you will not accuse me, I will not accuse you. If you will throw a cloak of charity over my sins, I will over yours. For charity covereth a multitude of sins. What many people call sin is not sin. End quote. McConkie said again in Mormon Doctrines of Salvation that salvation is available because of Joseph Smith. Brigham Young said, as reported in the Discourses of Brigham Young, page 435, quote, Whosoever confesseth that Joseph Smith was sent of God to reveal the Holy Gospel to the children of men and lay the foundation for gathering Israel and building up the kingdom of God on the earth, that spirit is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that God has sent Joseph Smith and revealed the everlasting gospel to and through him is of Antichrist no matter whether it is found in a pulpit or on a throne. Now that, that little passage from Brigham Young might sound familiar to you because in 1 John, uh, John writes in 4.3, every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God, and this is the spirit of Antichrist. Wherefore you have heard that it should come, and even now already it is in the world. So Brigham Young took John's words about Christ and he applied them to Joseph Smith. Doctrine and Covenants 113, 1 through 6 actually calls Joseph Smith the root of Jesse. In the LDS article, Answers Straightforward to Tough Questions, the writer said that Jesus and Joseph's visage were marred through the sacrifices they offered. In Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, he himself said, The head God organized the heavens and earth. I defy all the world to refute me. 
The doctrine, the Journal of Discourses calls Joseph Smith heaven's gatekeeper. In the book, Joseph Smith, the choice seer, epilogue number 12, it says, we know that, royal, that loyalty to Joseph Smith and the restoration will reap rich rewards for individual members of the church and will result in miraculous conversions throughout the earth. Teachings of the Prophet, page 379, says that Joseph Smith said he was going like a lamb, a lamb, a lamb to the slaughter. Brigham Young states in the Journal of Discourses, volume 7, page 289, that no man or woman in this dispensation will enter into the celestial kingdom of God without the consent of Joseph Smith. Today in the LDS hymn book, right now, this Sunday, somewhere in the world, Mormons are singing, praise to the man who communed with Jehovah. Jesus anointed that prophet and seer, blessed to open this last dispensation, kings shall extol him and nations revere. Hail to the prophet, ascend into heavens. Traitors and tyrants now fight him in vain. Mingling with gods, he now plans for his brethren. Uh, heaven shall know brother Joseph again. It also says great is his glory and endless his priesthood. That is described only to Jesus Christ. Ever and ever the keys he will hold. Faithful and true, he will enter his kingdom, crowned in the midst of the prophets of old. Finally, we couldn't do this, all these quotes about Joseph Smith, from Joseph Smith, without ending with this very famous one. How can you follow a guy who had in his ability to say this quote? Ready? He says, Come on, ye prosecutors, ye false swearers. All hell boil over, ye burning mountains. Roll down your lava, for I will come out on top at last. I have more to boast of than any ever than ever any man had. I am the only man that has ever been able to keep a whole church together since the days of Adam. A large majority of the whole have stood by me. Neither Paul, John, Peter, nor Jesus ever did it. I boast that no man has ever did no man ever did such a work as I. The followers of Jesus ran away from him, but the Latter-day Saints never ran away from me yet. When they can get rid of me, the devil will go also. That is from the mouth of your prophet that you say restored a church that Jesus established and said the gates of hell would not prevail against it. Let's look at the phone lines and see what's going on. We've got Chad in Springville. He's LDS. And uh, it says here, take Bill first. So we're going to take Bill. Bill, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi, I've got two questions, actually. One is, um, what do I do if I agree with what you're saying and believe? I have been LDS. And I'm kind of like semi. Not, I don't go, but, but all your relatives, your, your wife, your ex-wife, your kids, and they're all LDS, and especially your kids when they're still young, and and one of them wants to go on a mission. I mean, how do I, it's kind of hard to like do that without, uh, uh, what's the word? Um, Destroying your life? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a real big choice, isn't it, uh, Bill? Oh my gosh, you have no idea. Well, maybe you do. I do have an idea, <laughs> yeah. But you know what, let me tell you this. A couple things, rational, sane things here. First, Bill, go to your Lord God. You have every right to go directly to him and say, I am seeking a way to somehow lead my family. It, I'm telling you, it takes one to go. And then the house of cards starts falling within families. So you go to your maker and you say, God in heaven, I need your strength. I don't have it. To show me what to do. He may say, Bill, you just start teaching Jesus to your family when you get a chance and see how that goes. And, and don't talk against the church and don't decide to leave the church right now. Let the Lord lead you, Bill. You don't have to make some declarative statement at, at Thanksgiving and cause everybody not to want to eat. You can slowly take the steps. Most people make a huge mistake when they come to find the truth to just start hacking away at the family and everyone hates them and there's nothing's done. The Lord he loves your family as much as he loves you and me. He wants them to understand truth too. And he'll use you as the tool to do it. But it's going to happen through his means, not yours. And that's going to be love, long-suffering, patience, all those things that are found in 1 Corinthians 13 about love. Endures, 
and, and believe all things, hope all things, all of that stuff, Bill, apply it in your life and, and lead your family to the true identity of Jesus Christ and away from Mormonism just by your example and love. That's the best thing I do. Trust God and love your family. Okay. All right. The second thing I have, and it's not like, uh, don't worry, you don't have to call 911 or anything. What is your take uh, as opposed to the Mormons on, well, I don't even know what theirs is, but on suicide? Uh, my take is... Well, what do you think uh, happens when one when, when takes their own life? It depends on the person, uh, and I'll tell you why. If they're a believer, uh, you're, you're not saved because of your righteousness. You're not unsaved because of your faithlessness. A believer, I believe, goes to God because anybody who takes their life is not in their right mind. An unbeliever will go to hell, but not because they've killed themselves, but because they're an unbeliever. You see, it's whether they're a believer or not that depends on where a person goes. Now, this isn't a, a promotion for suicide. God doesn't want people killing themselves. But still, if somebody gets in an emotional state where they get to a point, who in their right mind is going to kill themselves? And a believer could easily get there. If they do and they believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, they are saved by his grace and they are going to be with him. Makes sense. You're not going to do it, are you? No, 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 no. Good. I, I was about I, to I, call 911. I, 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 I got kids. Good man. <laughs> Keep going, my brother. We'll pray for you. Just go in your car, Bill, your bedroom, and just cry out to God. And, and say, I need to, you to show me that you're leaving. He will. He did it with my family. He did it with me. He'll do it with you. Thank you. Okay, God bless you. You too. Bye-bye. We're going to Chad in Springville. Springville. It's a new city in Utah. Springville. Uh, uh, <laughs> line two. Chad, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hey, Thongster, thanks for taking my call. You're welcome. Hey, I just got a, a little comment to make to Blake, the atheist. Yes. Um, <clears throat> I think he's looking at Noah and the ark from the eye of the flesh, and that can't be understood mathematically. It just don't work. Like Christ with uh, feeding, what, 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish? Yeah. Mathematically, that doesn't add up. And I don't think a person could ever come to the spiritual things from a physical approach, uh, like you've stated before, I've heard you before, and I've been believe this myself. The only way to understand spiritual truth, I think, is if a person can really go to Christ with a broken heart and a contrite spirit. And I think these things will be understood, but to physically understand them, I don't think it can. I think that's really good uh, advice, Chad, and good insights. You know, we, we try to come up with answers to, to explain things, and we do like to look for, for reasonable facts, but you're right. If it was every animal and it was a worldwide flood, you're right. It's a miracle. It's a miracle even if it was just these few animals, you know, that a 400-year-old man build an ark. I mean, all this stuff is, but I, I believe you are absolutely right, and I like your uh, insights the best. Well, thanks for taking my call. You're welcome. God bless you. Take care. Okay, talk to you next time. Okay, bye-bye. We're going to Jason in Salt Lake City. He has an interesting question to ask. Jason, what's on your mind? Hey, um, how are you doing tonight, Sean? I'm doing all right. How are you? Hey, um, I just had a couple of things. Number one, I've lived my life in, in a lot of fear, and I've been told, you're not good, you're not good, because you sin, you swear, you smoke, you do all these terrible things. And it's gotten me to the point throughout my life where I haven't felt like I've even been worthy of, of even having God's attention. And the thing is, is my first question was very important because I live in fear of what's going to happen after death, is what, uh, what is required of me to be saved? Jason, you're, uh, you're right, in a sense, about your self-perception. Um, and that is, you are a sinner. And guess what? So am I. As much, maybe more. Okay? And because you are a sinner, God looked down on his creations and the sinful state which we're in, and he said, I'm going to send my son. And he's going to go down there, and he's going to live not like Sean McCraney and not like Jason. He's going to live perfectly. And he's going to live in pure love for Jason and for Sean and for everybody else. He's going to live a life so perfect in love. And guess what they're going to do to him? They're going to kill him. And they're going to shed his blood. He came in the flesh and blood. He's going to shed his blood and, and he's going to die. And God said, listen, 
Jason, if you want to come to me, you have to be cleansed perfectly. You're not going to be able to do it. You're still going to smoke, Jason. You're still going to swear when someone cuts you off. Yeah. You know, so I sent my son to be perfect in your place. And what you need to do, Jason, is you need to come and you need to say, hey, God, I'm a sinner and I can't do it on my own. I've never been able to. So I believe in your son and I confess him and I ask you, God, give me a new heart. Give me a new life. Give me a new perspective. And I will wait for you to show me, Lord, I trust you. And they call that the sinner's prayer. You, you can call it whatever you want. You don't have to say exactly as I said, but go to God with an open heart and say, Lord, let me know you. Do you want to do it on the air with me? I'll help you. Okay. All right. So, so Jason, just say what I'm saying, okay? And if you, if you don't believe what I'm saying to you, say... I do, Sean. I do. All right. Well, then, all right. Heavenly Father, Lord. Heavenly Father, Lord. I am a sinful man. I am a sinful man. And I've been one my whole life. I've been one my whole life. And I can't overcome my sin. And I cannot overcome my sin. I need the blood of your son, Jesus Christ. I need the blood of your son, Jesus Christ. And I believe in him. And believe in him. And I believe in him. I believe in him. And I trust him. And I trust him. And Lord, I ask you to give me a new heart. Lord, I ask you to give me a new heart. And help me know that I have been changed. And help me know that I have been changed. Give me new eyes to see. And new eyes, with new eyes to see. And ears to hear. And new ears to hear. And to start loving instead of destroying things around me. And to start loving and stop destroying things around me. And I put my will in your hands. And I put my will in your hands. And I will trust you and I'm waiting, Lord. And I will trust you, and I am waiting, Lord. For you to show me I've been saved. For you to show me that I have been saved. In Jesus' holy name. Je in Jesus' holy name. Amen, my brother. Amen. I want to tell you something. The, the... Jason, the Bible says <clears throat> that you, <clears throat> because you believed in your heart and you confessed with your mouth, it says, Jason, you have been saved. Now you walk by faith. Now you say, I know God is not a liar. And he said that if I believed in my heart and I confessed with my mouth, I would be saved. I know that I am saved. Okay? I know that I am saved. So you keep, go you believe that and you trust that. Now, one last thing. Yes, I do, Sean. I do. Keep reading. Open up the Bible. Start in the book of John and try to read that every day and wait on the Lord. So don't begin in Genesis. Begin in John. Begin it. Don't begin in Genesis. Begin in John. Okay. And just start reading until you get, you know, read a few verses or read a chapter or read until you, you, you can't. And just read that. Contemplate on it and wait till the Lord will change it. And I promise you, I promise you with all my heart. That God, not me, not man, not religion, not you, God is giving you new life and you're a saved man, uh, Justin, Jason. Jason, yes. Sean, I love you for that. Thank you so much. I love you too, my brother. God bless you. And God will reveal himself to me then. I promise you he will reveal himself. You wait patiently. It might be tonight. It might be tomorrow. It might be in six months or a year. I don't know. But you wait. You wait on him. You've done what he's asked. Now in faith, wait. I feel like a thousand million pounds have been elevated off my shoulders right now. I feel like I am worthy of being loved by God, and I feel that I am saved. I've, I've, I've spoken it to millions of people over the television and, and as witnesses, and God and you are my witness that I have surrendered and turned myself over to God, and I will readily follow your advice and read starting from the book of John and, uh, and, and, and I, I may even repeatedly repeat that prayer and, until you don't need to. Uh, beyond all doubt has been revealed to me. Okay, Jason, I love your heart, but I want to tell you something. You don't need to repeat that prayer. I know your, your flesh is going to think you do, but God heard your heart. You, have, you are saved. You are going to be shown that, and already you have shown something that's happened. You said you feel a weight lifted off you.
Yes, I do. Well, let me tell you something. There, there is evidence for you right there. It's right there. You just, <laughs> that's him. That's how he works. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Jason, let's get rid of all that sin off your back. It's gone. You are forgiven. Now move forward, my brother. <laughs> I love you, Sean. Thank you so much. I love you too. You take care. Okay. God bless. Bye-bye. Man, I'm not stopping this show. That was worth it. That was worth a lifetime of, uh, I love that stuff when that happens. Praise God. You know, pray for uh, Jason. Now the enemy comes in and starts bringing doubts. Pray for our new brother. And uh, he's going to have struggles and he'll ebb and flow in his faith. And he'll wonder sometimes and he'll have people throw things at him sometimes. But he stays in the word and he trusts in God and he will... He that is now in Jason is so much stronger than he that is in the world. And Jason has now become a member of a heavenly citizenship. And he is on his way to that heavenly citizenship that all of you can have. You just heard a humble man say, you know, everybody is welcome to that. Everybody. Everybody. Okay. So uh, we're going to a question here. Brent asks, how does the LDS church not disclose its finances being a 501c3 corporation? I don't know the answer to that. Because they're a church, but I thought churches had to. I'm talking to my business executive friend, and he says because they're a church, and churches don't have to. Ministries do. Ministries do. Churches don't have to. So there's your answer. Okay? Let's go to uh, what time? time? Okay, listen. Uh, this is from Jeff. He says, on page 21 of your book, Born Again uh, Mormon, at the bottom you make a statement that says, as a people, we long to live with God again. He said... I don't understand you saying that. And I want to tell you, old habits die hard, my friend. That was a mistake. You know, when you're LDS, you're taught that you lived with Heavenly Father once before and that you'll live with Him again. And sometimes even on the show, I will say that, not meaning it in the sense of a pre-mortal existence. So old habits die hard. Page 21 of Born Again Mormon. Rip it out. Burn it. And uh, throw the ashes to the east. All right. Uh, <sighs> I think I covered this last week. One more, and then we're going to look at something. Dietrich, he wrote and he said he's writing a book on multi-level marketing and cults and the relationship between them. And he wants to know if there is a relationship between them. And we're going to examine this more and more because there are people who are experts in this field, him being one of them. But yes, 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 because it's really, it's based in this. Joseph Smith said that God said, how great shall be your joy if you bring one person into the kingdom of God. How greater shall be your joy if you bring many. And that's the whole premise of multi-level marketing. And also the top down, you got at the top, more and more earth's worlds, and the more people and the whole thing, it's all based on the ego and the whole business matrix system. So I think he's onto something uh, there. The creators of South Park, have launched a new project, a Broadway musical uh, on the Book of Mormon. And uh, it is irreligious. Uh, Trey Parker says they've done it because they love the Mormons, but they're so gullible. And so they've done this Broadway musical. The LDS Church in response to this says, I let's listen to this. The production may attempt to entertain audiences for an evening, but the Book of Mormon as a volume of scripture will change people's lives forever by bringing them closer to Christ. Okay, uh, so we are going to show you something. I got to tell you, um, the reference on Joseph Smith boasting, someone's asking what it was. It's in History of the Church, Volume 6, page 408 and 409. Uh, we are talking about wolves in sheep's clothing, and it is getting ugly. The Internet is full of uh, things that are making Mormonism appear Christian in every way they can. If you go and you type in the Bible, you type in Moses, you type in Jesus, Christianity, and a Mormon reference is almost the first thing that comes up on the Google uh, search engine. It's unbelievable what they're doing. Well, we want you to take a look at this and tell me what you think. God is our Heavenly Father. We are His children. God sent us into the world to experience mortality and learn faith. 
God gave us His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, as our Savior and Redeemer. Following His miraculous public ministry, Jesus Christ atoned for the sins of the world, was crucified, and rose again to take His place at the right hand of God. Jesus spoke of life as being a narrow path, a path leading to eternal life with our Father in Heaven. Our map to stay on that narrow path is the Gospel of Jesus Christ. So how can you learn of the Gospel of Jesus Christ? Where do you start? The place to begin is here. We're the Foundation for Christian Studies, a nonprofit organization dedicated to the study, teaching, and practice of Christianity. The Foundation does this in a way that inspires all people regardless of theological differences, to come together in support of essential Christian values and compassionate service to God's children across the globe. The Foundation accomplishes this by providing rich scriptural course study and spiritual commentary, interactive web forms for thoughtful discussion, an online store offering inspirational Christian media, and a charitable giving program that emphasizes individual and community self-reliance. Come learn and experience the Gospel of Jesus Christ at the Foundation for Christian Studies at studychristianity.org. I'd scream right now if I could because that's an LDS-run uh, foundation. They use our fish. They use the, sign, the symbol of the dove. They call it their, their website is Foundation for Christian Studies. It's right up at the top of all search engines and they're getting people to come to them through all their interactive and everything else and teaching them Mormonism. You know, we're not going to stop it. It's powerful, but we are certainly going to try to pull people from the fire along the way. So uh, pray for that. Listen, we want to give you a little preview of what's going to come up in the next week, maybe or two. And we're going to actually air something that we did uh, a year or so ago. And uh, so let's show you a little clip of that while the kids come on up. Los Angeles, California, uh, converted prior to my birth, had three children. Uh, parents uh, converted to Mormonism by two sister missionaries who... Uh, my parents liked the social uh, structure that the church brought them. Uh, and so I was born under the covenant, or in the covenant, and uh, raised LDS uh, throughout my teen years. Hard as it is to believe, I was a little wild. Uh, <laughs> but um, I never missed going to church. All of my friends, except for one, were LDS. I had a great time. I loved the steak dances. I love the girls, I love the meetings, uh, the social uh, constructs were phenomenal. So my parents chose well. So we're going to be uh, checking that out over the next few weeks and seeing that whole interview with John Dellen uh, up there in uh, Logan. He, he has a great ministry. Now behind me, look at this group. Uh, what, one, I am so impressed. Hello. I am so impressed with the quality of their biblical knowledge, these older ones. And then we've got the young ones here in front. If you turn around and look at these kids and have a chance to talk to them, they're really good role models of where you should go. So what, but what is your name? Cassandra. Cassandra. And who's this little one down here? Sophie. Sophie. And you're? Sai. Sai. These are, we always try to uh, get the young ones up here, but we had these older ones earlier. So is there anything you unitedly would like to say to the audience? Jesus loves you. Anything else? Come on, scholars. It's your chance. Nothing else. Listen, we love you. Our prayers are with you. If you're searching, go to the Lord in the privacy of your own life and heart. Go out there and say, God, I need you. I can't do it on my own. Change my life just like Jason did. Give me new sight. He will do it. He is faithful. You just have to be willing and humble to receive what he has to offer. So we love you, and uh, it's been fun to have all these kids around. Uh, kind of looks like a polygamous picture that you see in the libraries <laughs> in this state. Fortunately, they're not all mine. So we'll see you next week here on Heart of the Matter.
I'm gonna break my rusty cage and run I'm gonna break I'm gonna break my Gonna break my rusty cage and run I'm gonna break I'm gonna break my Gonna break my rusty cage and run I'm gonna break I'm gonna break my Gonna break my rusty cage Oh,